If you've got a Bible or got your Bible on a device, open it up to John 21. John's Gospel, chapter 21. We're going to start reading there in a few minutes. I'm excited about 2018. And today and this evening, it's the day of the year when we say it's out with the old and it's in with the new. And what I want to do today is I want to begin a series of messages, but it's more than just a series of messages. I want us to begin a journey together in 2018 to see Jesus become first in every area of our lives. How many of you want to see God's blessings in the new year? You want to be blessed? I've learned if you, want to, if you really want to be blessed, put Jesus first in every area of your life. If there's an area of your life that's struggling or suffering, put Jesus first in that area and see what he will do. Several weeks ago, as I was looking into the new year and just planning out the calendar and, and kind of praying about things, God dropped something in my heart that we're going to begin today in this series called, But First, Jesus. And what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks up until the first week of February, throughout all of January, we're going to be looking at the change that took place in the life of Simon Peter, who was a disciple of Jesus. We would simply refer to him most commonly as Peter. Everybody knows about Peter in the New Testament. We're going to be looking at the life of Peter and the amazing change that happened in his life. And what you will find is, as you begin to study the Word, there are three or four significant things that happened in his life that really turned his life around and gave him purpose. But what we're also going to be doing uh, on, on the weekends throughout January, beginning today throughout January, we're going to be talking about Peter and the life that he lived and the changes that took place. But also on weekdays, Monday through Friday, five days a week, if you are on our church email list, you'll be getting a short devotional video five days a week. You'll get it early in the morning, and it'll give you a chance to watch that video. It's about three or four minutes long, each one, and you'll have a chance to really have some meat to think about for that day. It'll give you a verse of Scripture or a passage of Scripture and just a couple of thoughts to share. They're all short. It just gives you a little bit of boost in growing in Jesus because we're going to look at the things that change the life of Peter and ask God to change us. So how many of you are in for the journey this month? Are you in with me? It's going to be a great, 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 great month. So, you know, life is really busy. Um, tonight, a lot of you will be making some New Year's resolutions. How many already know what your New Year's resolutions are going to be? Let me see your hands. See, somebody get your hands up. You've already got it planned. How many of you will figure it out when the moment comes? How many of you say, nope, I don't need any New Year's resolutions? Okay, no matter where you are in the spectrum, this is the time of year where we start looking ahead into a new year. And as we begin this journey together, I want us to stop today and look at this man whose name became Peter. And in order to really understand it, if you've never heard much about the life of Peter, let me just walk you through a little bit of his life. When Jesus began his ministry, he walked along the Sea of Galilee and he began to choose some followers, what we call disciples. Those who would carry the ministry, not just in his lifetime, but carry it into the future. 
One of the first that he called was a man named Simon, who became known as Peter. He and his friends, James and John, and even a brother of Peter's. But what you find is Jesus found these rugged fishermen taking care of their nets and cleaning their nets and getting ready to go out and catch fish. And Jesus called them and said to Peter, for example, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. In other words, you think your life is about catching fish? No, your life is really about catching men and seeing their lives changed. So follow me and see what will happen in your life. If you read through the Gospels, you find that Peter's personality was somewhat boisterous. He was quick to speak and sometimes a little bit slow to think. Anybody in the crowd identify with that in any way? We know what it is to sometimes say something before we carried, carried the weight of it and counted the cost. Peter was one of those who was usually the first to speak up in any given situation. But Peter's also the guy who at times had amazing insight. Remember one day Jesus said to his disciples, who do people say I am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say that you are Elijah raised from the dead. But Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter was the first one to speak up and he said, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And literally what Jesus said to him was, Peter, that's not something that you figured out on your own. That's something that God has revealed to you. Good job, Peter. But then a few moments later when Jesus begins to talk about his death and his resurrection, Peter jumps up and says, no, 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 no. That will never happen to you. I mean, in the same conversation, Jesus turns and looks at him and says, get thee behind me, Satan. You see, Peter kind of lived a bit of a roller coaster life. In the three years he walked with Jesus. But out of that conversation, Jesus said, you're no longer going to be Simon. That's your old identity. I'm going to call you from this day forward, Peter, because you will become a rock. The kind of rock upon which I can build my church. Interesting. It was just a few days later, about six days later, that Peter, James, and John are alone with Jesus on top of this mountain. And suddenly Jesus is shown in all of his glory. He's shown not as the Son of Man, but as the Son of God. And his countenance changes, and they're seeing this amazing thing take place. I mean, Peter was there to experience it, to know that there was something special about Jesus. He experienced that. Peter's the guy who walked on water. I mean, he didn't walk very far, but he did walk on water. Took his eyes off of Jesus and began to sink, and we learned a good lesson from that. But as you look at the life of Peter, it goes on and on and on. Peter's the one who said, everybody else may leave you, but I will never leave you. And that same night, he denies he even knows Jesus three different times. Up and down. It's a roller coaster ride for Peter. That same night when he denied knowing Jesus, Jesus was taken away and crucified, put on a cross. Peter walked away dejected, embarrassed, disappointed with himself. And the only thing he knew to do was to go back to the old life and become a fisherman again because he figured out, I can't be what I need to be. It's interesting. But then 
several days later. Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit is poured out, Peter stands up before several thousand people and he preaches this amazing sermon bringing in all the facts about Jesus from the Old Testament. And when he finishes his sermon, 3,000 people believe on Jesus as their Savior. They are baptized that day and they join the church and the church is up and started and off and running. What happened to Peter? What happened? What happened to this guy? I mean, this unstable guy who's on the roller coaster ride. One day he's right, the next moment he's wrong. What happened to this guy? Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at this question. What happened to Peter? Because I, I have some things that I firmly believe today. I have to believe that if God can drastically change a grown man's life, such as Peter, he can change my life and he can change your life too. i got to believe that. I have to believe that if Jesus can take an outspoken, unstable fisherman and make him a fisher of men, he can do the same thing with you and with me. He can do it. What happened to Peter. From the time of the crucifixion until Jesus ascended to heaven, there's a 40-day period in there where Jesus met on different occasions with his disciples. From the ascension to the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit's poured out, there's 10 more days. So from the resurrection until the day of Pentecost, it's 50 days total time. But for 40 days, Jesus opened up the understanding and the spiritual eyes of his followers. And we're going to talk about the things that happened to Peter during those 40 days. And we're going to study it out this month. We're going to open our hearts and see God change us from the inside out. So today, getting started with this series, but first, Jesus I want to share just two thoughts with you. Number one, Jesus sent Peter a personal invitation. Jesus sent Peter a personal invitation. Now, we've got teenagers here in the house with us today. And, you know, teenagers, how many can remember your teenage years? I remember, Pastor Sam, how old are you today? 86 today. It's his birthday. Give Pastor Sam a good hand. 86 and counting. And he's single, ladies. Just want you to know. And he loves southern cooking, too. And he will be mad at me when service is over, but that's okay. He's my buddy. we got teenagers in here who are looking down the road. We've got moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas, people of all ages. And some of us have the mindset that we can never be what God really wants us to be because of our failures. I mean, think about Peter. I mean, he's the guy that speaks up and says, Jesus, everybody else may run away from you, but I will never run away from you. I am always going to be there. In the same night, three times, he denies he even knows Jesus. While they're taking Jesus away and putting him on a cross, he curses and swears and says, I don't know the guy. 
after the crucifixion, Peter, so dejected, he walks away. Heads back to the old life, back to Galilee, to the fishing boats. But something happened three days after the crucifixion. Jesus was raised from the dead. And on the morning of the resurrection, three women come to the tomb of Jesus to properly anoint his body because they couldn't do so earlier because of the Sabbath day. And they're coming to the tomb and they're wondering, how do we get to the body? They've got a stone in front of his tomb. Who's going to roll it away? They get there and they find the stone's already rolled away and Jesus is gone and there's an angel sitting there. And the angel said, this Jesus who you're looking for, he's alive, he's risen from the dead. But the angel gives this message to these three ladies. Go tell the disciples of Jesus and Peter that he will meet them in Galilee. What a message. See, Jesus didn't say, or the the angel didn't just say, go tell the disciples because Peter was so dejected he probably didn't even consider himself to be one of the disciples. I mean, Judas, who betrayed Jesus, went and hanged himself. Peter probably contemplated the same thing. He's dejected and down and out. But the message of the angel is, go tell the disciples, oh, and Peter too, that in spite of his failures, Jesus wants to see him in Galilee. Some of you are in this room today, teenagers, or older adults, or somewhere in the middle. And you think, if only I hadn't done that and that and that, there might have been hope for my life. Can I tell you something today? Your failures have not disqualified you from the grace and the blessing and the purpose of God on your life. They have not. They have not. God hasn't changed his plans. Maybe some of your decisions is going to cause him to reroute some things, but he's a master at rerouting people's lives. And today, God wants you to know he has not given up on you. You say, how do you know? Because you come to church, you sit in a service like this during the worship, the Spirit of God is tugging at your heart. I preach a message like this and something inside is turning over and you're fighting back the tears. That's the Spirit of God giving you a personal invitation saying to you, I have plans for your life. Come to me. Peter got that kind of an invitation. So this whole process in the amazing change in the life of Peter, it begins with an invitation from Jesus. I'm going to tell you something today. If you listen, Jesus is still calling. He's inviting you to that life that he wants you to know firsthand. But then the second part of this message, a little more detailed, But in the second part of this message, I want you to see how this process really was implemented by Jesus. I'm going to read from John chapter 21, the story. The disciples one day, Peter and and James and John, some of the guys are out fishing. They're back in the old life in Galilee. Jesus shows up on the shore of the lake and he's got breakfast cooking for them. They've been out all night fishing. There's a long story here. I won't take time to tell it all. But look at John 21. Look at verse number 15. Well, you see what happens. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. Now notice, notice the words of Jesus. He says to Simon Peter, Simon, Simon. Now stop here just a moment. Simon, 
Remember what Jesus had said some time ago to him? I'm changing your name. You're not going to be Simon anymore. You're going to be Peter. You're going to be the rock. But Jesus looks to Peter and he says, Simon, son of Jonah, that's his old name. That's the old life that Peter had gone back to. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Next verse. And he said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. In verse 17. And Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to Jesus, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And notice verse 18. Most assuredly, I say to you that when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. When you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And finally, verse 19. This Jesus spoke, signifying by what death Peter would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, Jesus said to him, follow me. Pretty intense conversation. I'm going to boil this all down to one thought in just a few minutes, but let's walk through this story because I think it's important that we do it. This is the first encounter between Jesus and Peter since the cross. It's the first time that Jesus is going to talk to him about what really happened when he betrayed Jesus. I'm sure Peter's emotions are running high. I'm sure Jesus is looking for the right moment to say the things he needs to say. But think about this. In this conversation, three times, three times, Jesus looks at Peter with the other disciples probably standing around listening to the conversation. Three times, Jesus looks at him and asks the question, Peter, do you love me? Now, in our vernacular today, in our language today, in English, we have a hard time understanding exactly what was being said here. Because for us, if we talk about love, love is only really one word in English, and that's love. You know, you can like something, but do you love something? In the original writings, there were two or three different words that were interpreted love here in English. Now, let me tell you why this is a problem. You can love your spouse. How many of you love your spouse? Come on, men, get your hands up. Get them up fast. I'm trying to help you. It's New Year's Eve, okay? You can love your spouse, but you can love your dog. How many of you know that's two different things? Hopefully. <laughs> you can love your spouse, or you can love chocolate. But how many of you know that's two different things? You see, love gets used for so many things today that sometimes we lose the weight of it. Here's what Jesus asked Peter. Peter, do you agape love me? Do you love me with the love of God? You see, it was the love of God that caused Jesus to go to the cross. Where Jesus laid down his life for all of us, including Peter. And what Jesus is asking Peter is, Peter, you know how much I love you. Do you love me with the same kind of love? 
Three times Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter got annoyed. I mean, it had to be embarrassing. It had to be frustrating. He knows that Jesus knows his heart. He knows everything going on inside of him. And here Peter is embarrassed. He's put on the spot. But Jesus asked three times, do you love me? Today I think I have to ask the question, do you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord? It's also interesting that perhaps Jesus asked three times if Peter loved him because it was three times that Peter denied knowing Jesus. Maybe Jesus was washing to this to the surface to deal with what Peter had done. Maybe. You've heard that teaching probably. But if we go back to the fact that there are different root words being used here for the word love, here's what was going on. Jesus is saying, do you agape love me? And Peter was saying, yes, Lord, you know I like you. You're my friend. It's two different kinds of love. So Jesus asked the question, Peter gives an answer. Jesus asked a question, Peter gives an answer. The third time, Jesus turns to Peter and says, Peter, do you really like me? Are you, am I really your friend? Peter says, you know all things. You know what's going on inside of me. So much to this conversation. It's also interesting that Jesus didn't call him Peter. He called him Simon. Simon, have you decided to go back to the old life? Have you given up on what I've promised to you? Have you given up on what I said I would do for you and the plans I had for your life? Have you gone back to the fishing life? Do you not want to be a fisher of men any longer? Jesus is asking him all of these questions in one question. I think it's also interesting that every time Jesus asked the question and Peter answered it, Jesus talked about purpose. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Get involved with the flock, with the family that follows me. I've got plans for you among my people. Jesus is talking about purpose. I also find it interesting here that Jesus finishes this conversation and says to Peter, Peter, you've always been just spur of the moment. Go do what you want to do. When you were young, you'd throw on your clothes and go do whatever you wanted. But when you get old, someone will come along and throw clothes on you and carry you to a place and crucify you the same way I was crucified. And they looked at Peter and said these two simple words, follow me. Follow me. Follow my footsteps. There's so many angles to this story. There's so many things you can pull out of this story, but I want to break it down to one simple thought. The first thought was Jesus sends an invitation to us to enter into a life that we, we could never live without him. But then number two, Jesus asked the question, and this is what he was doing with Peter. Peter, what is my place in your life? What is my place in your life? You say I'm the Christ? Do you believe I'm the Christ? Will you live a life that honors me as the Christ? Peter, what is my place in your life? 
Peter, you're so quick to speak up and say all these things, and you seem to have right answers so much of the time, but yet when the pressure's on, what do you do? You turn around and run the other way and deny me and go back to the old life. Peter, what is my place in your heart and in your life? At some point in time, for us to enter into the life that God has for us, We have to face this question for ourselves. What is Jesus' place in my heart, my life? You see, Jesus wasn't chastising Peter for his failures. He was offering him a life of purpose. A life he could never have on his own. But he brought Peter face to face with the fact that Peter had to choose for Jesus to be first in his life. Everything else had to fall in line behind it. You know, in the Old Testament, when God gave us the commandments in the Old Testament law, Scripture says we couldn't live up to the law. Because if you break one part of the law, you've broken all of it. But he gave us those Ten Commandments. If you go back and look at the Ten Commandments, the first two commandments have to do with God's place in our lives. First of all, he said, you'll have no other gods before me. And then second of all, he said, don't make graven images and other gods to keep in your life. You see, I think what Jesus was doing, he was saying, Peter, who's going to sit on the throne of your life? There's only room for one of us. Who's going to be first? In our church, the way we do service, you know, at the end of service, we'll pray a prayer and give people a chance to put their faith in Jesus, give them that opportunity. Traditionally in churches, they call it an altar call. It's an opportunity for people to to come to the altar, whether it's a physical altar or a spiritual altar, and just surrender their life to the Lord. Make Jesus your Savior and your Lord. Begin that relationship with God. Every church does it their own way, the way that they feel God wants them to do it. There's a lot of debate in the churches about how you should do an altar call. Can I show you how Jesus did altar calls? Here's how Jesus did altar calls. He walked up to people and said, follow me. And then he started walking, and they had to choose to follow. That's how Jesus did altar calls. He didn't beg them. He didn't plead with them. Here's the truth. Here it is. Follow me. And then he walked on. Today in this service, I want to take you back as I close. I talked a little bit about when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And you know, Peter had that great confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then a few moments later, Jesus is rebuking him because he's trying to keep Jesus from going to the cross. Jesus called him Satan. Get behind me, Satan. But taking you back there because here's what happened. If you read through that story, when Jesus finished rebuking Peter... Here's what he said. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, 
take up his cross and follow me. See, Jesus said, you want to follow me? Lay aside your plans and what you think you're all about. Come to me. Let me sit on the throne of your life. And let me give you a life you could never have by yourself. Pick up your purpose, your cross. Follow me. This is what started the amazing change in the life of Peter. Peter, do you love me? Peter, what is my place in your heart and your life? Jesus wants to be first. As we close out 2017 and look into 2018, I want us to start this new year together saying, for me, it's Jesus first. In closing, I, I remember when I was in high school, I had something I felt like I really wanted to do with my life, and I began to aim in that direction. When I was a senior in high school, there were some opportunities that came along, and I began to travel and, and do some things that I thought I was going to be doing the rest of my life. They were good things. Actually, it was connected with church and with ministry. But I had no intentions of being a minister, a pastor, a preacher, no intentions whatsoever. That was reserved for other people. I spent about two years after I got out of high school pursuing this life. Doors were opening, opportunities were coming along. I was on a pathway going where I wanted to go. Things were looking good. And then I went back to the southern part of the United States for about a month, spent it pursuing what I wanted to do. Got up close and saw the life and realized the end of it was a little bit empty. I came back home. No. Always remember it as long as I live. 19 years of age, feeling like Man, I'm lost and I have no idea where I'm going. I know it's stupid to feel that way at 19. That's how I felt. I went to church on a weeknight. They were having services. And when service is over, it wasn't an emotional time, wasn't any earth-shaking moment. But I went over to a place to pray at the front of the building. Everybody was kneeling around different places praying. I went and found my own little space in a corner. I said, God, I've, I've been pursuing good things, but it's empty. This is not it. I don't know what it is you've got, but whatever it is, I'm going to lay down this life and I want to pick up that life. I had an encounter with Jesus. Gary, do you love me? Do you love me? What's my place in your life? I want to pray for you today because I want us to begin a journey this coming year that will, will, will help us see the greatest year in our entire lives. But it only happens when Jesus is first. Maybe you've got some things in your life that need to slide. Maybe there's some old things you're holding on to. You need to turn loose of it. God's able to adjust those things today. I want to pray for you right now. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head, close your eyes, hold tight. Don't move unless you absolutely have to. Heavenly Father, 
right now, I pray for everybody in this room that they can have an encounter with Jesus that puts him first. Father, I pray right now that as people are sitting in this building, the Holy Spirit is beginning to touch their heart and knock on the door of their heart and turn them to you. Father, I pray for people who've been walking with you a long time, and I pray for people who've just begun that journey, building that relationship. And I pray that today we would inspect our lives and make sure that Jesus is first in everything. In our marriages, in our work relationships, in our jobs, in what's going on with our children and our entire families, our finances, in every area of life, our possessions, Jesus is first. And Father, I pray for people in the room today who are realizing they need Jesus as their Savior and their Lord, that right now you would grab their hearts and turn it to you. While heads are still bowed, one more moment. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never committed your life to Jesus. We do that through prayer. We just open our hearts. It's just words. And I want to lead you in a prayer that will help you do that. Begin that journey. It's not the end. It's just the beginning. But I'm going to ask everybody in the house to pray this prayer with me and open the door for Jesus to come into your life. Pray this prayer. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Be first in my life. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died for my sins. He was raised from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Savior. And I will follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for loving me. Amen.